0: Welcome to Well I Know Now, the podcast in which I talk to people affected by dementia in all sorts of different ways. I can honestly say that every one of my guests has highlighted something new about the condition, about myself, about life, about what's important in it. I'm Pippa Kelly. My mum Kay lived with vascular dementia for her last 10 years. Her diagnosis came about in the wake of a terrible crisis and when it did my family and I knew nothing about the condition. We were worried frightened and overwhelmed. So we buried our heads in the sand, a scenario that is all too common. Now though, through my writing and campaigning, I know so much more about this much feared condition. I now know that it's possible to live a decent, if changed life with dementia. I know it's down to society, to all of us, to help those with the condition live better, more fulfilled lives. And I know that it's often the smallest things that make the most difference. The poet Sylvia Plath wrote, well, I know now a little more about how much a simple thing like a snowfall can mean to a person. Dementia teaches you this too. With me today, I have not one, but two really lovely guests. We first met a couple of years ago in those strange COVID days during the early summer of 2020. So many people had sung the praises of Sage House, a dementia hub in Tangmere, West Sussex, that one hot day I rang up, made an appointment, then jumped in my car and drove over. I wasn't disappointed. The Hub, said to be the first of its kind in the UK, is located in a light, airy building of dementia-friendly coloured zones, wide passageways, Daisy's Cafe, and numerous meeting rooms for everything, from legal advice on drawing up wills and powers of attorney, to hairdressing, massages, and art. From citizens' advice bureau sessions and dementia assessment clinics, to Reiki, quizzes and singing. The idea is to provide a one-stop hub to give all various services that someone diagnosed with dementia and his or her family might need. And, and this is crucial, one person to help them navigate their way around the mind-boggling systems and choices. I've lost count of the number of people who've told me that what they'd really like on diagnosis is one point of contact and this is just what Sage House provides. Its chief executive, Sally Tabner, is passionate about what she does. She was recruited even before Sage House officially opened in 2018 and has taken her team from a staff of three to 36 employees and 66 volunteers, who between them over the past 12 months have provided direct support to over 1700 people affected by dementia. So successful has Sage House proved that Chichester University is currently evaluating the model to see if it might be rolled out across the UK. And I'm delighted to say that my two guests today are Chief Executive Sally Tabner and volunteer Ronnie Patmore, whose late wife Dolly used the hub until she died during the first COVID lockdown in 2020. Like many relatives, Ronnie initially felt guilty and doubtful about leaving his wife in the care of others, but ably supported by Jackie, a dedicated, personal wayfinder Ronnie soon realised that the hub and its resources were just what the couple needed and since Dolly died he's volunteered at Sage House helping in the cafe and in his inimitable way cheering up the customers I find myself chatting to people starting out on the same journey as I've had. I know what it's like and I hope that if I speak to them I might brighten their day I've met Ronnie once or twice now myself and I can tell you that he would brighten anyone's I'm sure you'll agree Sally. Yeah absolutely. So Sally and Ronnie a very very warm welcome to Well I Know Now. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah it's lovely to speak to you again and it's good to have I think two perspectives from you both. You Sally running and organising the hub and Ronnie who's used it to such benefit. Um, And I'm going to turn first Sally to you because I think you've had quite a bit of personal experience of dementia in your family with three grandparents all succumbing to it and all in different ways and different forms affected in different ways which causes all part and parcel of dementia so I think it would be interesting to sort of if you like compare and contrast really because there were different different stories could you just tell yeah. us a little bit about it
1: yeah absolutely Pip. but really different experiences because of it being sort of going back quite a long time to the first experience of actually Alzheimer's within our family, and that was my paternal grandmother. Mm. Um, I was only 15 at the time, and she actually didn't live that close to us geographically. So we only saw her every few months or so. And I suppose to myself, as as a young person, we didn't really understand what dementia was. Mm. Some of the phraseology we used all that time ago was, you know, Nan's a bit forgetful, Nan's big dotty kind of thing you know all those terrible things that we used to say we all did it don't worry yeah Yeah. and um she actually worked until she was really late in her life up until the age of 70 she was a tea lady and then very quickly seemed to deteriorate and we were suddenly getting phone calls from the neighbors saying that she was going out for long periods of time walking at odd times of the day um things like the hob was being left on and and really very quickly within a couple of probably a couple of months really she was into a nursing home and that was kind of the first time I'd heard about dementia but saying that she remained in a very happy place until the end she was always giggling she always Mm. seemed really happy she didn't necessarily know who we were But she was in a happy space and I suppose that contrasted with my next experience, which was my maternal grandmother Mm. um, who had Parkinson's and she went on to develop the Lewy body dementia.
0: Yes, there is a connection there, isn't there? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: there is. And that was only eight years ago. And right. her deterioration was quick, also. And of course, by that point, sort of dementia was certainly more known mm-hmm. about. You know, I worked in older people services in the past. So, you know, I understood or I had an understanding of what dementia was. But what I hadn't appreciated was that my granddad had kind of been covering for her for quite some time in terms of how much or how far along in her journey she was. Yeah, so common. Um yes, absolutely. My dad my dad now, did exactly the same with my mum. Yes, mm. yeah. And I really I really understand that now. I I think what was the most cruel was that my nan had been one of the most affectionate. She's very family orientated. We all mm, are mm, um, as a mm. family. Yes. Particularly family orientated and had been with my granddad since their teens, you know, they were, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's such a lovely relationship. But towards the end, her sort of behaviour really changed. She mm. she became anxious and actually quite aggressive. And I think that was the most hurtful thing. So and
0: difficult for your grandpa.
1: It's really hard. And also with his age, as he was at the time, trying to get him to understand that it wasn't Nan saying that to him. But oh, well, that's difficult for everybody.
0: Dementia. You know, there's your, there's your head and your heart, isn't there? Your intellectual knowledge and then...
1: Exactly, exactly right. But he, I mean, he did fantastic and he looked after her, he kept her at home right mm, until the end, mm. bless him. But um, and then literally after she had passed away, and he'd been a, an amateur boxer in, in an earlier life, which probably knowing what we know now, possibly contributed towards his development mm, of mm, um Absolutely. He had vascular dementia and Alzheimer's. Mm. Um, which was diagnosed. And I always remember, because it was the first time I kind of took more of a leading role in his diagnosis. I was there when he got diagnosed. Right. I was quite horrified, really, at the, at the situation as it was then, when we went to this kind of little room in the middle of Chichester that was quite grey and mm. dismal and The clinician, of course, was lovely and explained what was going on. And um, not that grandad really took it in or kind of understood at the time. But actually, I think I was then horrified that we got shifted into this little room where we kind of sat around as a family and Mm. having just heard this diagnosis, which to a certain extent we were probably expecting, but we're just horrified that we kind of got handed this book, really, that to all intents and purposes said welcome to dementia um mm. here's what you need to know mm, and then mm. kind of were sent off on our oh, our merry that, way that again I'm afraid to say is so common yeah.
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah and and that I heard more and more and certainly have done you know since doing what I do but it was that that really I just thought no this isn't this isn't okay mm. and then you know sadly granddad deteriorated and It was lovely because at some points in the very early Sage House days when we hadn't refurbished the building or anything, we were testing out a few different activities. And I was able to get him to come in to the hub before it was refurbished and say, what do we think about this? You know, tea at Tangmere, we called it, um, where he'd come Mm. along and have some cake and bring my mum along. And that was just lovely for us to kind of test out having yes. groups of people living with dementia together as long as the kind of peer support group that built mm, up mm, with the mm. families but sadly he declined and ended up in a nursing home and mm. due to continence actually continence yeah it's a
0: big factor isn't it massively. one of those things people don't like to talk about but is a, is a very big factor in any dementia diagnosis it can often be that that is the tipping point
1: Absolutely, Especially for carers trying mm. to manage mm. that. Mm. You know, I, mm. I always remember looking at my mum and thinking, mm. you know, you don't want to be nurse or yes. carer. You want to be daughter and granddaughter. Yes.
0: or wife and husband.
1: It, yeah. <laughs> sort of it, even harder in some scenario. ways. Yeah, is, exactly right. Exactly mm. right. And, mm. and there was a period where he had to be sectioned because he was trying to leave the nursing home on a regular basis and they really struggled to keep him in and then he would get quite cross and frustrated that he was being held back. So he was sectioned and that was... That's very hard. That was probably the worst and most darkest of situations I've ever encountered.
0: What exactly happened then? Um, I mean, don't say it was too upsetting, but uh, I'm interested because my mum was very nearly sectioned.
1: I think it was how... The terrible conditions of the ward itself. What year was um, this? This would only have been seven, eight years ago.
0: Mm.
1: It felt like a prison right. to a certain extent. In hospital, then? We talked about a ward. In hospital, yeah. Mm. In hospital and actually that hospital those wards have now been closed down since mm, even since that time but also at the time I just felt like nobody really understood dementia there seemed yeah. to be a lot of agency staff yeah on the ward who didn't necessarily have the experience or of the training mm-hmm. or the training you know just some really basic things around actually you know somebody who's that far along in their journey has to be reminded at times about eating their food mm. about hydrating you know mm. drinks mm. of water you know it's not doesn't have to be really difficult stuff and I just found that nobody really knew how to deal with it even mm. though he was mm. sectioned into a place that was supposed to be yeah specialist <laughs> the experts and yeah. specialist yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely so um mm. so that was probably the most hideous mm. of Mm. experiences
0: so two very interesting things there Sally one is that I know that beforehand you told me that one of the things that you know now and sort of keeping with the theme of the podcast is Mm. indeed how many different forms of dementia there are how in what different ways it affects people and actually I hadn't realized till I you know we talked a bit more about this quite how personal that experience was to you that you did that Mm. but then the other thing to sort of be a bit more positive about this whole story is yes you obviously encountered along the way as i think we all have experience of the goods and the bads you know you meet as you said really good professional medical staff or nurses or carers whatever they happen to be you also you know brush with some really bad experiences And I was just wondering myself, actually, how much that, just sticking with you, and don't worry, Ronnie, hang on in there. Mm. I am coming to you, Ronnie. I'm
2: Um, here, I'm here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just how, how much those personal experiences then went on to... Inform the professional life you had, sort of cu- not culminating. So I am sure you've got a lot of other things in you yet. But you know, to Sage House, which is where I met you, because mm. I know before that you worked for. Uh, correct me at any time if I get any of the facts and figures wrong, but mm. I think it was about quarter of a century, twenty four years, with West Sussex County Council, and you were really primarily with older people. And
1: yes, did, did that sort of stem from your personal experiences? Um, I've always worked in older people's services. I've always had this affinity with it for some reason. It's made me feel like an older person myself. Now you've said a quarter of a century thank you <laughs> <laughs> nothing <Doesn't laughs> wrong with being older anyway no not at all but no anything. <laughs> Isn't
0: that it's now a not... good moment to bring ronnie <laughs> or is that
1: <laughs> self insensitive <I'm still> <laughs> um but no i've always had certainly an affection and an affinity for older people services i've always respected i was brought up actually that you always respect older people mm. and i always felt the need to you know i've always loved older people but you know my granddad I was the apple of my granddad's eye we used to sit you know he used to love sitting and listening to you know the amount of experience and, and, and energy yeah. he had yeah. and so I've always wanted to work with older people I think what pushed me more towards dementia was clearly the family history of mm. family with dementia but the other thing was because I was commissioning older people's services in the county council and And within sort of public health and social care, I recognised actually really quickly that there was this immense gap because a lot of the voluntary sector at the time, going back sort of five years or so, would say, you know, great, we're happy to work with older people. We've got these older people's groups and everything else, but they would come across somebody with a dementia and it would be oh actually sorry you can't come along anymore
0: mm, mm, and
1: mm. you know and then the role at dementia support came up and I just thought crikey I need to do something about this you know I've I've seen it firsthand with my family from a commissioning and a strategic perspective I can see that there is these gaping holes in what is one of the biggest societal issues heading in our direction yes. And we need to do something about it. And I want to be instrumental in that. And I think very much my personal experience of dementia, because especially, you know, three grandparents with three very, very different experiences. Mm. It kind of the whole ethos then of Sage House is around how everybody is individual. Everybody's journey. Yes. Different.
0: Yeah, I thought that when I visited you and everything I've seen about it since. And in fact, I've yeah. got a good friend who's using your services for his parents at the moment. And so I'm able to actually see it in action, see whether what you say on the lid is true. You know what, what you say on the yes. tin. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. So, so far, so good with him. He's very, very impressed.
1: Great. and I And I but I think that's so important that, you know, not one size does not fit all you know, we're all different as individuals, aren't we? And why yeah. should that be any different once you get a diagnosis? So that's why what we do, we're sort of wrapping our services around the individual mm. and what's important to them, what makes a difference to them, what brings positivity to them and how can we work on that to make their experience to live well with dementia as good as possible.
0: Mm. Well, I'm going to return to you in a minute, Sally, to, to get some more details on mm. that subject from you. But uh, poor old Ronnie's been patiently I know. sitting there. Are you, you know, <laughs> Sorry, well, he is Ronnie. still there because we have heard his I'm voice. Here, so. I'm here, I'm so. here. Ready and willing, ready <laughs> and willing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, Ronnie, I believe that you and Dolly were married just shy of half a century,
2: 50 years. Just shy He's quite right. Yeah. Didn't yeah. quite make it. Yeah. Yeah. Did her best but didn't quite make it. Didn't quite make it.
0: And so when within that 50 years, you know, when did Dolly start to show any signs of dementia? And what sort of dementia did she have to begin with?
2: She had vascular dementia. And I think just echoing what many people have said, I think when the diagnosis came, I think I was in denial before all mm-hmm. of that. And even when it happened, I didn't mm-hmm. really want to accept it. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened at the very really beginning was I was in denial. And and Dolly would say, I think there's something wrong with me. Oh, interesting. And so I she... would say, no, there isn't really. We're just both getting older and you're just forgetting a few things. Mm-hmm. And then my girls would say, when we had a family get together, mum's beginning to forget our names. She doesn't quite know who we are. Mm-hmm. I used to joke and he'd say, well, I always the number, you one, two, three and four, because I wasn't sure. Four,
0: four daughters, Ronnie
2: four daughters. Crikey. And They said to me, <laughs> "Lammy is right, four weddings. I, I did four <laughs> wedding speeches but I just changed the name each time and used the same speech. <laughs> anyway, they said, Dad, you know, Mum doesn't remember our names anymore. And then that culminated in Dolly nearly setting the house on fire by leaving or trying to put an electric chip fryer onto a hot plate and and I thought, well, we ought to do something about it. So off we went to the GP. And thinking back, echoing what Sally said, no one seemed to really know what they really were doing, really. Yeah. And I've got answers that I wanted, and they weren't probably correct. One of my questions was, well, despite my wife having vascular dementia, can we carry on having a lovely life? And I was told, well, yes, with medication, yeah, you probably can. But I know now, that's the subject. I know now yes. that wasn't quite true. And, of course, even just a few years ago, there's been a lot of difference since then.
0: When was this, Ronnie?
2: Yep, I have an awful habit of forgetting things that I don't like to remember, but I would mm. say it was probably, I think Dolly's vascular dementia probably lasted about six years in total, from Harvey yeah. noticing to right at the end, possibly about that time. So it's
0: about eight years ago from now.
2: Yes, yes. Mm. yes. I was getting the answers because... I was probably fishing for them. Yes. And so I would get the right answers, but in fact, they were the wrong answers. And I used that phrase. I know now that you uh, have to go to the real experts. And I think the experts are in this building in Sage House because no one else really seemed to know it. I know everyone's different. But the first feeling was, well, I'm the only one that knows it. I'm the only one that's dealing with someone that's got vascular dementia. I felt all alone. But of course, you're not once you discover a place like this. But that I think that's fairly normal. You feel all of and I was quite angry.
0: Right, okay.
2: What, with the system? No, I was angry mainly, Pippa, because we'd raised four lovely girls and we taught them what was right and wrong and they turned out pretty good people. Mm -hmm. And then we'd had an input into the grandchildren and Mm -hmm. helped them to grow and mature. And I thought, and we had had some my time, our time, and I thought, well, this is our time.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was
2: quite cross because it meant we couldn't do what we wanted to do. So yeah.
0: yeah.
2: touch of anger, mistaken, really, but a touch of Completely anger.
0: Completely understandable, Ronnie. Mm.
2: Okay.
0: Completely understandable. I'm not an angry person yeah. normally,
2: but I thought this system isn't working for me. They don't seem to understand what what vascular dementia means. And I still mm. don't understand all of them because there's yes. so many, aren't there? So yes. many.
0: Yeah, apparently over 100, which is mind-boggling, gracious. different types of yes. dementia in, in mm. total, if you count. Yeah. Yes, no, so that's that's completely understandable, Ronnie. But you received a lot of support from your children, didn't you, and grandchildren, I think.
2: The girls were lovely, but I thought, well, I'm the father. I should be strong and brave and not tell them exactly how I felt. And all my girls are slightly different, of course, and Mm. one or two of them felt it worse than the others. And when one of them comes to visit me every Wednesday, we don't say anything, but she gets out a mug, it's got mum written on it and we have a coffee together. When you're the father, you, you think, well, men are supposed to be strong and therefore I can't really say to them, I yes. can't really keep on doing this because if, deep down inside I probably thought I couldn't. Yeah. But I was being all manly and yes. used to joke and yes. pretend I was all right.
0: Yes, it, it, it's so hard, Ronnie. I mean, I hear this such a lot from husbands You know, again, you know, there are so many commonalities. That's why I wanted to do the podcast because so many people feel alone, but actually, you're so not alone in what you're going through and your feelings. Actually, on a personal note, I felt tremendous resentment, ridiculously. I knew I didn't. I mean, I loved my parents to death, but they were both so ill. My mum had dementia, my dad in other ways. And I built up this resentment very deep inside me because my own life was put on hold for 10 years. Right. and it does something to you, you know, It's and it's very deep. You don't mean it, you love them, but it's you get angry, you feel resentment, and it's good to talk about it, I think, because then you find out that you're not a monster. Other people right. feel that. And anyway, it was yeah. interesting because you came to Sage House and I don't quite remember where I whether you told me this, Ronnie, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were doing exactly what you're describing now. I think Jackie which is the great aspect of Sage House, have these, you know, one-to-one wayfinders. Right. They're called, they could be navigators, whatever. It's this one point of contact. And I think yours and Dolly's was a lady called Jackie. And, yes. you know, she would say to you, how are you, Ronnie? And you'd say, I'm fine. Like we all do. I remember doing that with my dad's social care manager and I'd say, I'm fine. And then Jackie said to it, yeah, but Ronnie, how <laughs> are you really?
2: How are you really? Yes.
0: And explain yes. what happened, well, Ronnie.
2: Well, I just... Started to cry, and she got out the box of Kleenex. And I apologized, and I said, "Well, I'm a big man; I shouldn't be doing this." And she said, "You should be absolutely doing that. Mm. What you should Mm. do, really, because you, once you get on this journey, Mm. um, starting to grieve right from the very beginning. Yeah. So start Mm. to show your grief, which men don't do. Well, British men don't do it—stiff upper lip and all that stuff. Mm. Mm. And I have to tell you that as the time progressed. As it got towards the end, Dolly would be in bed quite early. Yes. Even as early as six o'clock. And, and sometimes I would cry again, thinking, mm-hmm. how am I going to get through all this? It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. But it was beginning to get better because, you know, two days a week Dolly was coming here. And I remember going to something called tea at Tengmi, or something they used to do here. And I sat next to another chap whose wife was probably more advanced than Dolly was. Mm-hmm. And the two ladies held hands. I didn't hold hands with this other chap. I thought that wasn't appropriate. <laughs> but we, we did sort of hold hands and we yeah, compared that. Yeah, so he yeah, was yeah. Experiencing exactly the same as me. So yeah. that became a bond, lovely a bond, really. Yeah. And that's all down to Sage House and tea at Tangmu, you see, things like that.
0: Yeah, it's all about human connections, isn't it? And Sally, you must have seen actually just because some wonderful. Bonds are forged and friendships and relationships. Have you seen that happen, Sally, among all the different people? It might be volunteers and people who come, it might be people with dementia and other people with dementia, it might be Ronnie and somebody else's husband.
1: Did you see that a lot happen? absolutely Pippa I mean to the point where we run different courses and quite often afterwards people will come together as a group and we've got a group of ladies who who meet in Sage House in Daisy's cafe pretty much every week and Mm. their husbands all came to Sage House before the pandemic Mm. their husband's aren't with us anymore or some of them are in nursing homes Mm -hmm. yet they've forged this bond Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. this understanding Mm -hmm. and what's fantastic and you know it's really what we aim to do at sage house is to bring people together who understand Mm.
0: that's the point isn't Um, it i think that you don't have to keep explaining
1: and Exactly. And you don't necessarily, you know, yes, our wayfinders are available, but sometimes you want to pick up to the phone to someone and just say, look, Mm. you know, John's done this today Mm. and have someone go to you. Oh, do you know what? I remember when. Yeah yeah off did this actually, and this is what I did about it, and it mm. probably wasn't the right thing to do or whatever, mm. Mm. but mm. this is how I felt at the time, yeah. so I kind of I hear you and and i I get it and understand, and mm. that's what we're trying to do is build relationships, build people together, and also raise awareness across the rest of our local communities so that mm dementia is normalized you know that for children if their grandparents go on to develop a dementia they're not petrified or that they understand that actually Mm. this might be how you have children don't you You school children into sage house We do. Yes. Yeah. So we have the local school children who come along and read to Mm, our customers. mm. Um, We have some of our customers who have been across to the school. They have a little allotment there. So Mm. showing the children how to plant seeds. And yeah, they have the loveliest bond. Mm, Um, mm. And you, you see it. And I used to see it with my grandfather all the time when my granddaughter used to visit him the whole room lights up when you bring children together. It's a
0: tremendous affinity, isn't there, between the old and the very young. And I'm I'm a great believer in these intergenerational schemes. Completely. Yeah, yeah. And and actually, Ronnie, to bring you back in and sticking on the subject of children, I think I read that, or or saw you giving another interview, because one of the things, so many things are upsetting for the loved ones of somebody with dementia to watch, but... Dolly kept wanting to find her children, and obviously your girls were grown-up adults with their own children, but she thought of the grown-up girls as children. She kind of went back in time. You instinctively did the right thing, and I say, I think, in my eyes anyway, by what you did, you and your girls. She used to call one of your girls, I think. Just explain that.
2: Yes, yeah, she, she was always looking for the four daughters, I suppose, Mm. And she regressed to when they were very small. Mm. And so I used to ring one of my daughters, who's called Vanessa. I used to ring Vanessa and prime her and then put Dolly on the phone. And Vanessa would say, no, I've got all the children. I'm just giving them spaghetti bolognese. I'm going to read them a story, bath them, and I'm going to put them to bed. And that worked for a long, long time. And then it stopped working. And then she would insist on... Dolly would insist on going up the house and knocking on neighbours' doors. I had to lock the house up in the end because I couldn't let her just wander around. And that remained with her, right, almost right to the end. Where are my children? And that was heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, it's these very deep-seated, instinctive things, isn't it, that do remain to the end. My mum was like that. But She thought I was her baby. She always called me her baby. And right to the, so she couldn't speak, she called me her baby. Yeah, She just sort of regressed it to
2: the child. Yeah. Well, I had a little list of some of the worst things that mm. I experienced, and that was one of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And going back to this subject people don't want to talk about, I mean, I loved, I knew every inch of Dolly's body. Of course I did. I've been with her for such a long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But when she became inconstant and I had mm-hmm. to change her and do that side mm-hmm. of things, mm-hmm. I have to just say, I, 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 I didn't enjoy that. I found it quite yeah. difficult to do. of course. Because mm. it, you don't think you'll ever do that. And going into a supermarket yeah. and buying what was necessary, I thought, mm. good Lord, what, what does life come to? Yeah, I bet you did. I bet you did. It's awful. Mm. One of the worst things.
0: Yeah. Really. It's the indignity, isn't it? I think you feel on it behalf is. of the other person.
2: Yes, absolutely mm.
0: that. Mm. And I think, you know, this is really why we need to talk about it more, difficult as it is. And you can tell in your voice, and I'd find it excruciatingly difficult. Even buying nappies for my mum I found difficult because there's something not mm-hmm. right about it, which even to say yeah. that is wrong. But, you know, it, it just feels the wrong way around. Obviously it does. But I think if we all can talk about it a bit more, then, again, weirdly, I don't quite know why that helps people, but it does help people to know that, A, a lot of other people are having to do it, and B, to feel squeamish about it doesn't make you evil or terrible. It's just a natural human reaction. Ronnie everybody will have felt like you Ronnie and the fact of the matter is you did it because you loved Dolly you did it so that's really difficult isn't it within spouse within the within that sort of romantic relationship when your lover becomes the person you're caring for I think that to me must be probably the most difficult thing
2: yes and sometimes not often but I've been here at Sage House volunteering Mm -hmm. and I've asked someone how are you today and they said oh terrible it's been a bad day I've had to change him two times before yeah. we ever got out and yeah and I just yeah. say yeah I know I know yeah because I do mm. know
0: yeah and I think
2: yeah. uh, um, I'm noted probably for my humor but I am serious sometimes
0: yeah no you're being actually really very serious today Ronnie because oh, I have <laughs> met you before and this is a very contemplative side of Ronnie I'm seeing
2: it could have been the toasted baguette and the pickled <laughs> <laughs> one. So,
0: probably. It's a, know, subject. it's a serious yeah. subject, and it's good to talk about it. And mm-hmm. you know, just hearing you say that, of course, the reason that's so poignant is because one normally says that. You know, I had to change him twice when it's a toddler. There's that side <laughs> yeah. of it too. That's exactly yeah. the conversation that young mums have when you go to nursery or something, and you say, "Oh God, terrible mm-hmm. morning to change it twice." You know, it just is difficult, isn't it? Um, but let's change the mood a bit because you had some very happy times, Ronnie, and you said something which is absolutely beautiful. You said there were some good times with Dolly's dementia, small moments of happiness, and I want you to just tell me one or two of the small moments of happiness so that we can see some of the, the love and the you
2: know really, really
0: gorgeous moments.
2: I think that happy moments don't come very often, but well, they didn't in my case. But mm. Sometimes they did, and a few memories would be that we'd sit together listening to our favourite music,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: then all of us, one particular track would come on, which meant something romantic to us both. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. would just occasionally would squeeze my hand, and I'd look in her eyes, and I just could see mm-hmm. there was some sort of recognition. So that, you know, that was really wonderful. And I think. Yeah. Though it doesn't seem as though there's going to be much joy during the day, if you if you try hard enough, there will be little things. Little, not big things, probably, but little things. Yeah. And also what I found, uh, quite an emotional, romantic chap, I suppose, but I found that I thought I loved her as much as I could love her from the moment I first saw her. But I found once she was not well, I was loving her even more. I was wanting to think, I want to look after her even more. I want... And that's what stopped me coming to Sage House at the beginning because I thought, I want to do it all by myself. I don't need any help, typical mm. man. Mm. And it took a couple of psychiatric nurses who nagged me because I think some men need nagging. Yeah. You mm. must go to Sage House. And I thought, mm. I don't need to go there. And I was wrong mm. again. And then mm. I did. And and, uh, and things improved greatly. since. And the other thing I want to tell you is this, Pepe, that mm. after Dolly died, and, and it was during COVID, but we, we all managed to be there, my daughters and I, people from Sage House mm. would call me and mm. they were generally concerned how I was and they would mm. call me. And that sticks in my mind because mm. you're not dealing with a company, you're dealing with people that actually care mm. and they mm. care about me. Mm. And I thought that was lovely. Yeah. So now, you know, when I come here, they, they still seem to like me. Extraordinary. <laughs> 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 I can't imagine why, Pippa. I think it's your me.
0: stripy blazer that you wore I
2: saw you in slightly overdid it, I think. Really. No, not <laughs> at all. Uh, th- no.
0: This was just so people would be wondering what on earth we're talking about. It was a fundraiser, wasn't there? And uh, Ronnie came and absolutely stole the show <laughs> with his speech and he, because he was wearing the most amazing striped blazer. Yeah,
2: guard, put, put us actually, to shame. <laughs> don't forget my guard's tie. My Your guard's, guard's tie.
0: tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, Ronnie, actually, you've once, yes. once again, for the second time since I've known you, I haven't known you that long, taken the words right out of my mouth because... That's the bit I noted that I thought was just heartwarming. I was going to say heartbreaking, but it isn't heartbreaking at all. It's heartwarming. It's because you, when you said that you thought you'd sort of loved her as much as you could, but actually you loved her more, the more she needed, the more care you want, you know, isn't that just what love is? Isn't that the wonderful thing? Isn't I just thought that was really lovely when I read
1: that. Yeah. And no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, Pippa. I mean, Ronnie has a fantastic way of talking about Dolly and the connection that you could see between the two of them, despite where Dolly was at at the stage, was really, really special, Mm. really special.
2: Thank
0: you, Mm. thank you. Yeah, and now um, I'm just going to turn to Sally, but I'm going to come back to you again, Ronnie, in a minute to carry on really with, with that little bit about what Sage House now gives you back as a volunteer. But Sally, turning back to you, so... I think we've established that Sage House is a good thing. Just tell us a little bit about some of the back history of it, because I think it was the sort of brainchild of two local people. Interestingly, I find this so often that people who do things within the dementia sector so often, well, we've got three of us around the table, as it were, today, have a personal connection with it. I do through my mum, Ronnie does through Dolly, you do through three grandparents. And one of these local people, their father had dementia and was struggling. And so they decided what was needed was something like a dementia hub. And I think the premises, which are actually lovely because they're so light and bright and genuinely dementia friendly in their colour coding, in the sort of ceiling lights they have in the corridors to make sure there aren't shadows. It's all very well thought out. But I think it was a a former Virgin call centre or something,
1: it was was it yeah yeah it was it was a cool center so glass walls everywhere and pool pods yeah, everywhere so, that, so yeah
0: that was a great piece of vision and they did a, obviously do it with quite a bit of rigor because they did a feasibility study with a consultant focus groups local mental health trust yep. and importantly and um, i hope wendy mitchell is listening wendy mitchell who lives with dementia and has been a guest and she's absolutely great and she's always saying you but you need to get people with dementia in at the start when you're designing these sort of buildings because you can make such schoolboy errors and then the people with dementia only have to set foot in and say but actually that's a terrible color for us yeah so good to do that
1: Absolutely and I think for us you know what we wanted to do was to make a building that people could be as independent as possible in which is why we've zoned Sage House with different colours so that actually you know if somebody's at a stage where the whole turn left go right up that corridor is a challenge actually go to the orange bit or going to the pink bit to you and I might sound really basic, but mm. the importance of retaining your independence is one of the biggest things people talk about and the mm. biggest concerns mm. they have mm. when mm. they get mm. a diagnosis. So we did a lot of work looking across with places like Sterling University, who do a lot yes. of work around dementia-friendly environments. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the thing of involving our customers and people with dementia at a really early stage, and we still do it now, as much time as I and our team might spend working with people, much better that people with dementia sit down and go, actually, this is what I'm looking for. These are the activities I want to do. You know, who am I to tell someone that actually the academic research says that you should be Mm, doing mm, mm, x y mm, and z when actually it's not working you know
0: Mm.
1: no exactly you know you like singing okay let's get a singing group going it's quite simple it it really is so that is our big thing is that we listen to what people are telling us and we let you know we really are community Mm. and people led as an organization rather than me dictating what I know my granddad would have liked six years ago. Yeah, you know, it's... Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: And now, Sally, all, you know, all this costs money, um, nothing comes free. <laughs> so how much does it cost a year per annum to run Sage House?
1: So we have to fundraise a million pounds a year. Uh, it costs us 1.25 million. And some of that money we generate from our daybreak service, which is our respite service. Mm -hmm. Just explain that. So um, we have different charging levels. And according to the financial ability of somebody to pay. So if somebody, for instance, doesn't have maybe attendance allowance coming through the door, they'll pay a very low amount sort of about 10 pounds it's a carer's respite service so somebody comes to us for the day allowing their carer to go off and you know not do anything fancy actually what our carers are doing is going home to sleep sometimes Mm -hmm. where they've had terrible nights they're going home to do the housework or go do the Mm. weekly shop Mm. but then those that can afford to pay that do have a certain level of money in the bank, as it were, we charge an increased amount for that. So it is a a means tested service. But From services across Sage House, we generate an income of 250,000. So, the balance of the million is very much down to the team to fundraise for. Mm. So, with different community events that Mm. we have with corporate partners, and a lot of money coming, or you know, we put in applications to charitable trusts as well. So, Mm. but yeah, quite a hefty ask a million pounds a year. It is. I read an interview you gave that that's
0: the thing that keeps you awake. You love what you do. But the thing that keeps you awake at night is: Are we going to raise enough money to keep going?
1: Yeah, completely, completely. Mm. Because, and I know that what we do makes such a difference. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the Chichester University evaluation that's going on. You know, I know from the look on the carers' faces and my customers' faces when I use in the word Safe customers. House. I think we better just. It's yes. always, and I think you and I have discussed
0: this because. It's so tricky to know which words it is. to use. And you it always is. seem to upset somebody or other with whatever of the words you yep. opt for. So <laughs> tell me who you refer to as customers.
1: So customers, it's anybody that comes into Sage House, really, yeah, whether yeah. they be um person living with dementia, whether they be somebody who comes through the door to use the cafe, whether they're a carer. I suppose it harks back for me to the old days of county council land when they had lots of people in a communications team looking at what should we call people to cover everything off Mm. I think some people use the phrase service user I think it sounds very clinical
0: that doesn't it
1: it does and you know that's what Sage House is the opposite of yeah yeah Sage House has been designed so that what does clinical look like? Okay, what's the complete opposite? Of yeah, that? Yes, and I agree with that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we try to avoid phrases like patient and yeah. service mm, user mm. and client. Mm. We've talked about using phrases such as members. And actually, Pippa, it's one of those things that is with one of our focus groups at the moment, right? Uh, focus groups of customers to say, look, what would you like to It'd be, be called <laughs> <laughs> and, and like you say, it's one so, of those things. Yeah, are so
0: sort of. <laughs> seemingly petty but actually extremely important aren't they and, and uh, yeah yeah I think just the fact that you've taken a lot of care about it is good back to the the money though I mean I know that during Covid one of the amazing things that did happen and of course a lot of unfortunate things happened but was it you received an anonymous donation of £10,000 yeah. in an envelope or something just what happened?
1: we did it was remarkable and it was literally a couple of days after the first lockdown had been announced so I'd sent everybody home at this point there was myself and I think two other people still operating from the building and sort of literally went over picked up the post one day came back and sat at my desk and I was probably you know I do tend to wear my heart on my sleeve but (laughs) yeah I, I was in quite a um rubbish place really I felt devastated that I'd sent all the customers home I didn't feel like we could support them as we wanted to you know obviously them coming into the building that all stopped and literally I opened this envelope and there was a CAF check which was an anonymous check basically for £10,000 with no notes no nothing and it, it was a bit of a moment for me, really. In mm. that it got, you know. And obviously it cashed okay. It didn't bounce. Didn't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the good thing about a calf check. You know it shouldn't bounce. Yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> but who knows what it is when it's like that. Yeah, Golly. absolutely. But just stunning that anyone during that time, mm. I mean, what a thing to do. What a thing to do. Just Possibly somebody
0: who'd made use of the service. Who knows, I suppose. Well, whoever it is, and if you're listening, now's your moment, Sally. Uh,
1: Well, huge, massive thank you to you. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, of course, very concerned, majorly concerned about the customers. But like you say, funding and fundraising is always one of those things that Mm -hmm. keeps me awake at the night. And it was kind of a real, for me at that point and that moment in time was a real moment of, crikey, there are people out there who care.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And there are, actually, sometimes I think the world kind of forgets that we're so full of bad news. Do you know what, Pippa, I think, you know, yes, I think we've yeah, hopefully not been too morose here or or anything else, because those are the realities of living with dementia. But I see on a day to day basis so much joy Mm. still. Mm. There are still real moments of joy with people. You know, it is possible to live well. Mm. with dementia yes of course a diagnosis is a terrible thing it's a life-changing thing but you know what I would say to anybody is it doesn't mean that's it kind of thing yeah and Ronnie I'm
0: sure that you you agree
2: yes well I I think I might even disagree I, I thought it was life-changing for me and well I, I, you're right until I found Sage House there wasn't much happiness but yes there was but I got an answer back once, or you can live a normal life with medication, but I didn't find that to be true. Sorry to disagree slightly, but...
1: No, I think that's absolutely right. I I think it is life-changing, absolutely life-changing. I don't think it will ever feel normal for whatever normal is, but the same again. But I think that you can still have a life where you can live well, there are moments of happiness still. It's mm. not a case of that's it. Once you've had a diagnosis, everything's going to be sad forever, I don't think. Mm. Would you agree with that, Ronnie?
2: Well, obviously there are moments of happiness, but looking after Dolly was the hardest thing I've ever done. Obviously the yeah. hardest thing. Mm. And of mm. course, you can't switch off, can you? You, you
0: No. Can't no.
2: That's the end of it for today. I'm feeling... Maybe I'm having a morose day, but I'm thinking back to the difficult parts of it. And, of course, I have to tell you this, Pippa, that the day Dolly died, I had a broken heart. And I don't know whether medically you can have one, but I had a broken heart. Yeah. And I I thought, my girls were lovely. They mended it piece by piece. And then, also at the same time, I'd had childhood friends, and one lad I'd met on the first day at school yeah. So these three chaps were childhood friends, became family friends, and our families became intertwined. Yes. And just after Dolly died, I attended the virtual funeral of the last one, and it dawned on me, uh, mm. I was the last man standing, and I thought, well, I can be morose, although mm. that isn't actually me. I could be morose and sit at home mm. and blame everybody else and feel unhappy. Yeah. Or maybe I could do something, and then I came here and then had an interview, and the man that said yes... I could be a volunteer, left two days afterwards. He probably thought, well, crikey, <laughs> what have I done? i have got... <laughs> <laughs> got
0: to vacate the building. <laughs>
2: from a broken heart and from feeling, well, I'm never going to be happy again, I, I am. I am. I'm feeling absolutely fantastic today. And I'm meeting people, as was mentioned before, I meet people here who were bringing their other halves um, when I was bringing Dolly, and maybe their husband or wife has died. And they're becoming friends, which mm. is lovely. And it's, yes. a, it's a different sort of friendship because behind it all is the common yes. suffering, I suppose. Yes. So I'm from being in the trough of despair, I no longer am. It's just, and I can't wait to get here. I don't know whether that's Sage House's view, but I can't wait to get here. <laughs> yeah. to it
1: get is our view. Yeah. Oh, thank,
2: thank you, ma'am. Yeah, I can't, wait, I can't wait to get here. And I think I know, not too conceited, but I think I know I'd probably make people a little bit happier and have a slightly better day than they would have done. had done. So if they see me and they see my badge and they, if they ask me, what are you doing here and why are you here? If they want to talk a little bit, I, and I'll talk to them. And I, and I think I know that it, it makes a little bit of difference. This thing we're doing now, I'm sure it will make a difference, won't it? Well, I hope it will. It will. It will. I hope it will.
0: I sort of sit, sometimes I feel like a kind of spider in a web or something because I Talk to the most amazing people. I really have. I feel very privileged actually that through all this work I do, and I listen to these incredible stories of people. The first guest ever on my podcast was La Souchet. I don't know, mm-hmm. do you remember John Suchet? The, well, it's still yes. on. Sorry, sorry John. Um, still very much a broadcaster. <laughs> and their story was incredible. So they were both visiting their respective spouses with dementia and they met each other. And then over a course of time, first one and then the other spouse died and they have got together. You know, one point, Nula says, we did this extraordinary sort of dance with dementia, the four of us. Because the four of them knew each other. Two of them had dementia. And I suppose what I'm trying to say, Ronnie, is that if you read Nuala Souchet's book, I found it quite upsetting. And I'm now pretty inured because my mum died a long time ago now. I'm much more objective about talking about dementia, I think. And every now and then it does catch me out, I have to say. Um, Mm. But she was so angry. This book was raw, really raw, and emotional, and angry, and grief, and, but then as you read through the book, you did see that her life had sort of emerged the other side, and, and a lot of times, there was another chap I had on my podcast, Peter Berry, who has said publicly on my podcast, and in other places, that when he first got his diagnosis, he was actually diagnosed with dementia, really, you know, horribly young, he got very close to attempting suicide twice. The second time, though, he just suddenly had that moment, as you were explaining, really, Ronnie, he just thought, well, can I can either do this, and for me, that's going to be an incredibly selfish act really? for my family and my wife. And he thought, no, I can swear on my own podcast, I think. So he said, sod it. <laughs> he probably didn't actually, Peter, I don't know if he does swear, but was to that effect, I'm going to get on. And now mm. he cycles, he was a cyclist, and he sort of cycles his way out, out of dementia, and he cycles miles and miles with his fantastic cycling companion, Deb Bunt, and Mm -hmm. the two of them have written a book together. whose name is completely escaping me. Sorry, Peter and Deb. I'll put it at the end in my notes. But he has found sort of, again, to go back to you, Ronnie, it's a different life.
2: Dare I say this, that I might be in the same sort of situation as John Suchet. It is happening to me, but I don't want to say any more, but it is happening to me. Never
0: yeah. thought I would,
2: but maybe I am.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's it. The moment. That's it. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh well, you know that's wonderful. I mean, you know that this is so I don't know, sort of life affirming, but just the complexities of life and dementia, whatever else. It certainly throws a massive, cruel spanner in the works. There's no doubt about that. And yeah. it's the most terrible thing. I, you know, when you were describing Sally. The moment we nearly sectioned my mum was probably the worst moment of my life. You know, it's a terrible thing. There's no doubt about that. Um, Now, to just end on again, try and push forward a bit, can you reiterate, because really I think you've always had this dream, you and the founders of Sage House, the two individuals who had the great sort of brain... Way yep. they met, I think, at a wedding or something, and thought we need to do something about the situation with people's dementia. Yep, they Sage, did. Sage House was, was set up. You know, great philanthropists. They put the money in. And wouldn't it be fantastic if it could be replicated throughout the country? Because the people in this area where we all are are fantastically lucky to have it there. But what about other people? So, just to finish, explain, just to push forward and think about the future what's going ahead with that.
1: I think we've always known and seen that the difference the different services in Sage House have from sort of wayfinding to the different therapies you were talking about, the hairdressing, the bathing, and then the daybreak service, that kind of integration of services and basically wrapping everything around the individual. We've always known that that has a benefit to somebody's quality of life, that people Do feel, you know, we've done some measurements ourselves, but having Chichester University involved to really demonstrate the difference we make. Because ultimately, what our next step now is, Pippa, is to try and work with other communities and get other people involved in getting Sage Houses or whatever we want to call them up and running in other parts of the country mm. you know we we know that you know dementia doesn't discriminate as to you know how much money you've got or where you live so we are really keen to work with others who want to do something about dementia in their local area and then demonstrate to them this model that we have so we've been busy working alongside Chichester University but also putting together a toolkit Mm -hmm. of all the different things that we do at Sage House including all the policies procedures you can imagine Mm. I mean it's a Mm. it's a document and a half but we really want to share the expertise and knowledge and understanding we have of both how to operate dementia services locally but also how to fundraise for them Mm. we're really keen in building up our network of individuals to really show them the cost effectiveness actually to both the health and social care economy mm. of this model and not only the difference it makes to people living with dementia but actually the fact that it does stop people going in and out of the GP surgery all the time because they come to Sage House for that information mm. and advice and I'm sure
0: hopefully it will postpone the entry into a care home perhaps or exactly. reduce the number of acute hospital stays and
1: Yeah. And we we already know that's the case with, you know, the the one thing the pandemic did do is that we knew that we had about five or six families who decided they were going to put their loved ones into residential or into nursing care Mm. because they knew that because they couldn't come along to Sage House Mm. um, a couple of times a week, that there was no way they were going to be able to manage that care at home. So so we, we sort of have that knowledge and understanding and you know really our, our big thing is to say to government really look come on there are better ways of supporting people with dementia giving given a booklet the moment you get a diagnosis and rubbish, being left it? to get on with it is not okay Yeah, that's not okay. There's a better way of doing it. And that includes supporting people pre-diagnosis, actually, Mm. right the way through Mm. to end of life. Mm. And Sage House is that model. And that's what we want to see replicated elsewhere. And when will the evaluation be complete? So we'll have the initial findings of the evaluation early next year because they're actually doing a comparative study between the services that people have at Sage House compared to those who obviously in other areas don't get to access a Sage House. Mm. Um, So early next year, we'll have those initial findings. Mm. But in the meantime, we're actually working with another area, geographical patch at the moment, who are really interested in putting sort of a Sage House type model an approach in place in the Newbury area. So that's kind of us piloting mm. what we do and enabling us to sort of work out how we're going to support other organisations to do it for themselves. Brilliant, brilliant.
0: Well, you two, Ronnie and Sally. And Ronnie, I think I've made you remember things and I'm sorry if it's been a little bit more painful. Than, than no,
2: it's, it's been a pleasure, absolute pleasure yeah. talking to you.
0: But no, it's always lovely to chat to you, Ronnie and Mm -hmm. Sally. And good luck, Ronnie. You must report back on what happens. Um, That's very good to hear.
1: That's. (laughs) I think I'm very interested. Yeah, you two can go off and have a have a side conversation
0: about that (laughs) in a minute. So okay. thank you very much, you two. Yeah, well, um, absolute you. pleasure to talk You're to right. you both. And all the very best of luck in your different pursuits, romantic and Sage housewives. <laughs> 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 and uh, I think we might have to come back and reconvene in, I don't know, a year or two and have a catch-up. Okay. See Fantastic. Okay, thanks, you two.
1: <laughs> Bye. Okay, thanks, Enhipa. Bye.
0: Thank Bye-bye. Sage House brings people together who understand who get it and who have time to talk or simply to sit and be with someone if that's what they want which sometimes, as many of you listening will know, it is. Its CEO Sally lives for what she does. I was unaware of quite how much personal experience she had of dementia. No wonder she brings such compassion and understanding to her role. The groundbreaking dementia hub is very lucky to have her and let's hope that Chichester University's evaluation helps prove its worth and paves the way for the model to be rolled out across the UK. We need more sage houses, more one-to-one advisors and companions, more resource hubs. Ronnie is a very special person and I wish I'd met Dolly. To me, Ronnie represents so well that generation of men who look after women, who want to be strong, to protect their wives and daughters and do not want to surrender any element of their care. He is honest too about his own denial, as well as Dolly's, and his anger at how dementia stole his and Dolly's later years and the lack of knowledge around it. As you can no doubt tell, he is funny and upbeat, but during this podcast, he struck me as unusually reflective and I felt bad at intruding on his obvious emotion with my questions. As he said, he has a habit of forgetting things he doesn't want to remember and perhaps he simply wanted to forget. You can find out more about Sage House and its National Ambitions Program at www.dementiasupport.com dotorg.uk and finally if you've enjoyed listening today i would be very very grateful if you would rate review and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform or channel you're listening to it on as this will help spread the word about the podcast and then together perhaps we can further diminish the stigma increase the knowledge and quash the myths Surrounding Dementia